morning, church. How you guys feeling? You have not entered into a new dimension. Welcome to the Totally Tubular 80s Week 2. Last week was what? Wait, what did we do last week? What was the theme? Living on a prayer. Anybody know what this week is? Don't stop believing. Right? Anybody ever heard of that song? Anybody ever heard of that song? All right, we're going to have fun. We're going to have a good time. So, hey, even though we're having a good time and we challenge you to have a good time as well, um, we're here to connect to Jesus Christ, and we're just doing it in an awesome way. We welcome you for being here today, and we're just excited about you being here. So let's worship the Lord. Please stand up. Anybody new here today? First time visitor? All right, well, hope you guys come back after this. Uh... <laughs> I don't know about you, Jack, man. I got a hungry heart today. I'm just hungry. I don't know what it is. I'm hungry for God, hungry for the people. And, you know, sometimes people just have a hungry heart for the wrong things. Isn't that right? That's right. And so we want you to have a hungry heart for the Lord. Now, I, I don't know, back around. Something to believe in. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, I tell you, back in the 1980s, there was a guy from Asbury Park, New Jersey, who's known to people as the boss, Bruce Springsteen. And I was a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. And so I feel honored today. That's right. To you have guys a hungry? transformation. You guys Are you hungry? Who's today? hungry for the Lord here today? Yeah. All right, well, let's, let's do One, two, three, four.
Denver course again, one more time. Come on for the boss, let's do it Jersey style. We are glad to have you with us today on this Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. All right, if you are a mother, please stand. All right, if you are a grandmother, stay standing. If you are a great-grandmother, please stay standing. Wow. If you are a great-great-grandmother, stay standing. All right. Wow, we have lots of grandmothers. Let's give them a hand. All right. Great to have you all here with us today. If you're visiting with us, um, please see us after church. Uh, We'd love to get to know you a little bit better. Um, And this is not how we normally look. So uh, take that under advisement. All right. A couple things on your announcements. There's announcements in your bulletin, and they're also scrolling on the TVs. You can catch up there as well outside of the church. A couple things to note. Dining for Women. Uh, Judy, you want to come up real quick and and tell about that? That's coming up this week. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Um, As most of you have read, I hope, in the bulletin, our Dining for Women is Wednesday night at 6.30 at my house, and you are to bring a, a dish to share, money for our offering that we give to a charity, and yourself, and a baby picture of yourself, if possible. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot, Marcia. We're having a pajama party. <laughs> so you wear your pajamas, and we're having brunch in the evening. So we want breakfast food. So if you have any questions, just come see me. And if you don't know where I live, come see me. So most of you can just come from Walmart in your pajamas and go right there. Like most of you. Yeah, and uh, if you didn't get a baby bottle this week, I will get more. They were handing out the baby bottles for the pregnancy center. We'll talk more about that maybe next week. Great. Okay, another announcement I wanted to draw your attention to today is um, if you have never been baptized uh, or if you have been baptized and would like to renew, kind of make a statement of faith, um, we are going to be having a baptism service. We've kind of had had it annually um, on June the 8th at Northeast Park. Um, There's going to be a sign-up over in the the lounge. Teresa Barton will be taking sign-ups in the lounge after church. If you're interested, um, please see her after church. I think that's all we have. You can read the rest of the stuff on the bulletin yourself. I have one other quick thing I want to do. Um, uh, there's two people who are absent today for a very good reason, but they told me that they would be watching online. Uh-huh. And that is Jacob Allen, Jake Allen, and Kate Ray. Um, you've seen them a lot with Surfest. I want everybody to just kind of look over there to the uh, thing and tell them congratulations. They got married this, this uh, Friday night. So. Congratulations. I told them I'd give them a shout out. 
All right, what I want you to do now, just stand and greet those people around you. Say hi. Give them a knuckle punch. Give them a high five. Or do one of those weird shakes from the 80s. When the video comes back on, I want you to get back to your seat. Distort the facts 
Now there's no looking forward. Now there's no turning back when you say we belong to the light. We belong to the thunder. We belong to the sound of the words we've fallen under. Whatever we deny or embrace, for worse or for better, we This one, everybody better be singing. Yeah, I better hear it really loud. Everybody better sing it. I remember a couple years ago, I was, I was coaching junior league football, and it was when Glee did a version of this. Anybody's ever seen Glee or heard Glee do this version? Don't act like you didn't. Um, so anyway, um, um, I can Just say you, I watched Jack. Glee. Just you. Um, but anyway, um, there was a kid who was on the football field, and he was singing during a drill, and the head coach got so mad, he made him run singing don't stop believing all the way around the football field. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that. If, I don't hear you singing Don't Stop Believing because I know you do when it comes on in the car. Um, if you're not singing it, I'm going to make you run laps around the church. Okay? We're going to get really Pentecostal and really quick. Okay? Yep.
may be seated. And our kids can go on to our Shoreline ministry. All right, you there? Costume change. All right. All right. Are we hearing any scripture? Test. Uh, test. There we go. All right. Isn't it awesome? We're gonna have 80 degree weathers for a while. Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord. That's awesome. It's good stuff. All right. I am going to start bringing these pants back because they sold for lots of money back then. And everything's cyclical, so get in line with me. We'll call them Jack's jeans or something. I don't know. So, uh, the Grable family is asking for prayer. Again, if you have any prayer requests, please, underneath the sconces in the back, we have areas for you to go ahead and fill those out so that we can get them to uh, Debbie Chadwick. Debbie is right there. Debbie's our prayer coordinator. And, um, again, last week we spoke about prayer. If you didn't get a chance to see that, go ahead and check online, havencc.org, and that will give you an opportunity to go ahead and connect um, with our, our prayer request, and we send everything out that way. All right? All right, so the Grable family asked for prayer and helping finding new housing in Cecil County within the new te- two months, next two months. Um, and Tara Leg uh, has a pelvic mass and is facing surgery. Okay, so, um, so you guys really need some help for some housing. Okay, Anybody, uh, how many do you need? Three bedrooms, about 1,100. So, so if you have a three-bedroom, um, go ahead and talk to, the, talk to them right there. Okay, all right, and also for Pat. Bobby, her brother Mike Reeves is having surgery on his neck on Tuesday, so please pray that everything goes well. Um, June, for her niece Rebecca, Scott, and family, um, she received a diagnosis of breast cancer at 26 years old, and the family lost their mother to this in 2000. So we want to go ahead and lift her into prayer. Marsha, her sister's friend who had a stroke, um, Mrs. Fensel, all right, Anna, my best friend's neighbor, is battling cancer and was told there's nothing they can do for her. Pray for her and her family. She has three kids, um, and this is Diana Yale, so we want to lift her. Many of you may, may know her. Um, Marie is prayed for Nikki, uh, and she has to have yet another iron infusion, and she's had several of those um, lately, so we want to go ahead. Um, Joe Fleming, Joe, uh, if you guys don't know Joe by name, he is the guy with the orange vest who helps everybody get parked and get in and out of the church. Joe is having some up-and-coming surgeries and for post-op care. So a couple things, we want to pray for him um, as he's going through that. Uh, but we, if you're willing, also, we could use some help in the uh, parking ministry during that, too. To, that's, a, that's an awesome ministry to see, to have him help you. And he's done that since the very first day we ever started church at my house. So I tried to get him to come every day now um, to come park, but he won't take me up. Susan Dexter. Susan is, uh, has a, a praise for her son. He's doing well in rehab and continued prayers that all goes well for him and that a bed in a local halfway house will be there upon his discharge on the 19th of this month. So praise the Lord for his mercies on her too. All right. Do we have any other prayers that we need to lift up? Any other prayer concerns or, or joys? Yeah, right back there, Phyllis.
Okay, Phyllis has made these prayer squares that have information on there and a prayer, and you can take them and give them to anybody who you know needs prayers um, from our church. Phyllis works really hard on those, and they're right back here on, on the, in the windowsill, correct? Yes. Yeah, okay. All right. Anyone else? Yeah. Oh, yeah, right there, Mike. Their daughter, uh, Nicole Travers, is the one who was in the accident, and, um, and we just thank God, I mean, to go in a couple weeks from an accident um, on Irishtown Road um, to, uh, to go into your, your prom. That's pretty cool. All right. Anyone else? All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we just thank you for being here. Uh, I just thank you that you um, have a sense of humor. Um, I know that because I'm still on this earth, um, and I just thank you for that. I thank you, Lord, that you just... Um, you, you used everything. You were, you were a parable teacher. You used everything on the earth to bring, back, to bring forward the truth of the gospel. And, and so, God, right now as we meet here today uh, and we have these prayer requests, that we have surgeries and cancers and accidents and all kinds of other things, but, God, we see your hand all through that. And as, um, as that, that uh, famous song that we just sang, Don't Stop Believing, is, even though it's set in a, in a kind of secular way about, it talks about just people just walking around like just searching for something. And God, I just know that there's somebody here today who's just searching for something in their lives. They don't know what it is, but God, I know that it's you. And I just pray that, that today that anything, maybe in the music or maybe in, in the testimony that was just given there that, uh, or in the message, somehow, God, that you'll touch their hearts and let them know. So there may be somebody who's just trying to give everything up and saying enough is enough. And God, you'll just tell them today, don't stop believing, but more so trust and believe in me. And so, God, as we continue in this service, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to fill this place and um, that uh, we, just, we just come to know you even more intimately because, God, uh, I, I just want to pray for the mothers that have been stable and just been there for all of us. And I thank you for those uh, in those cases where there wasn't uh, a positive mother, that, God, you filled the void with somebody else as that figure. But ultimately, God, as we further this time, I ask for your Holy Spirit to be upon us. And, Lord, also be upon these guests, upon your tithe and our offering. Multiply them and use them to further the many needs that are in this community and the larger world. And, God, when I talk about community, I talk about anywhere around this place that people would, would look at. And so, Father, be with us now and just give us some awesome Holy Spirit power. We praise this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Life 
the rain, the storm, the hardest nights are your mercies in disguise. Good morning. And happy Mother's Day, and it's God's special day on all mothers. I'm reading from um, Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 42. When Jesus had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and you can ask who touched me. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, 
why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Koum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Now I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 11, 7 through 15. And without doubt, the lesser person is blessed by the greater. In the one case, the tenth is collected by men who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it, the law was given to the people, why was there still need for another priest to come, one in the order of Melchizedek? not in the order of Aaron. For when there is a change of the priesthood, there must also be a change of the law. He of whom these things are said belonged to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the order. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priest. All right, how you doing? Good. That was plain. How you doing? Good. All right, it's going to be 80-some degrees. It probably already is. If you don't be good, I'm going to keep you longer. Because so. anybody who knows me knows I can talk a little bit. So. All right. Somebody say amen. amen. Right. Good, I'm glad you said amen. Um, I, I like to give you a couple 80 things. Um, to share with you um, as we go with. Uh, and I found some random facts about the 80s. Are you ready for this? The um, 80s computers typically had 64 kilobytes of memory. And that, and that, I mean, you can't, that's like, if I have that on a zip drive, I'm mad. You know, I mean, that, that's not even anything anymore, is it? Um, so uh, we have that. Uh, the super fast guitar solo and Michael Jackson's Beat It. Anybody know who played that? Eddie Van Halen. Didn't know that, did you? Somebody did. Um, you also know the parental advisories were started then. You know by who? Tipper Gore, Al Gore's wife. Um, MTV kicked off in 1981, and um, anybody know what the first video was? Video killed the radio star by who? The Buggles. The Buggles. Very good, Chris. There you go. And he was born at the time. Yes, I know. And he was probably singing and dancing to it, too, knowing Chris. Um, McDonald's Chicken McNuggets were introduced in 1981. Um, early 80s cell phones weighed as much as 20 pounds and were very huge. I remember being up in Philadelphia. This will bring a name back to anybody who attended Northeast Middle School, Mr. Harris. Going for Mr. Harris's show, remember that? 
And I was riding up there with him in my dad's awesome Mercury station wagon, which was the SUV of the early 80s. And um, he, uh, we pulled up next to somebody, and they had one of those big, like, Don Johnson cell phones. Don Johnson was on Miami Vice, in case you don't know. Um, and, um, and I remember they said, doctor or lawyer? Doctor or lawyer? They ran down the window and said, doctor or lawyer? He said, lawyer. He said, okay, because that's all who could afford them back then, right? Um, uh, flock of seagulls. Anybody remember what song they sang? I ran. I, I ran. Here we go. Um, I'm going to take you on Music Jeopardy with me, Chris. Um, Mike Score, any, the lead singer who had the kind of seagull hair. Anybody know what his job was before? Hairstylist. So Red Bull was introduced in 1987. I mentioned this last week. New Coke freaked everybody out, and they thought the apocalypse was happening because of New Coke. The 80s is, uh, an inter- was an interesting time. It uh, helped raise me and helped create a lot of the environment that we have here today. And we're having some fun with this, and I hope you're enjoying it and having a good time with it as well. Um, I do want to uh, remind you, if you're here today, um, inside our bulletin, we have a QR code. Go ahead, if you've got a smartphone, um, go ahead and hit that. And this is something they would have never said in the 80s. And you could post on our Facebook page. Anything that um, comes up to you, we'd just love to have you do that. So um, you can see the clip from Hebrews 11 that, is, uh, that I really want to talk about, printed in your bulletin, so we'll get to that. But I've got to say, I'm really excited about the theme, Don't Stop Believing, because it's one of the greatest songs ever, right? Anybody, anybody think it's like just one of the greatest songs? I, you guys, I know you sang, sing louder in the shower or, or when you hear it come on the radio. You don't care what version it is, you will sing it. I mean, you put that at a, at a wedding and people lose their minds. It's awesome. Um, and, and Journey had just some awesome. They were like, you know, the 80s were full of super groups, right? You had like Asia. Yeah, right? Remember them? Toto. I love Toto. Not the little dog, in, in, but, but Toto. Me too. And then you have um, me too all the way. Mr. Mister. <laughs> Kyrie Laison. Right? Kyrie Laison down the road. I could sing all service here, right? Yep. Toto with Africa. We don't know what they were singing about that. Men at Work. The Land Down Under. I mean, there's plenty of like these, these groups, but, but Journey was a super group. They had just some of the most awesome songs. And I got to tell you, I appreciate Journey. Because Journey made me look better with the girls. All you had to do was pop in that tape. So now I've called you with open arms. I mean, it was just like it melted any wall down, you know. I was like, this is cool. Journey, right? That's how I got you, right, Melissa? Look at her pleading the fifth. I love it. So, um, no, but there was, the, I mean, just so many good songs from Journey that just were awesome. And they just like, they were just like, part of the culture, and I just loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, and so, um, you know, and then, um, you know, they're still going on, but then it was, it was 16 years, this is what's funny about God, this Wednesday when we were practicing songs, it was 16 years to the day that Steve Perry left Journey, and, and now they got a guy who was in a Journey um, band that was like one based off a of Journey, and he is now their lead singer from the Philippines, and he's got some pipes too, he's pretty good. So can you imagine that? You're singing in a tribute band, and then all of a sudden you're singing for the band. How cool that is. But I love, I love Journey. So today, in this, we're going to practice something. So today, when I throw out, we're going to see how good you are. Like if I said, if I said, Worlds Apart, anybody know that song? 
Worlds apart, all broken in two. Separate ways. There we go. Chris is like, when I am taking you on Rock and Roll Jeopardy. That's it. Um, and I, but when I, if, I'm going to test your journey knowledge today. When you hear a theme of a journey song, you got to say amen. So for instance, don't stop believing. Amen. Open arms. Amen. Lights. Amen. Okay, there we go. Um, one, of the song, one of the cool things is, some of you may not know this, Lincoln Brewster, some of the songs that we sing, um, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Lincoln Brewster, before he ended into uh, praise and worship ministry, actually played lead guitar for Steve Perry. So, and he, we were at a uh, concert down in Bel Air that he did, and he broke out into lights, and everybody was singing. It was really, really cool. So, um, so today we're going to talk about Don't Stop Believing. And I'll tell you, no, well, you guys are good. <laughs> I was like, what? I even forgot what I told you to do. Um, whew. Tell you. Sorry, it's, I, I wouldn't like that in the 80s. Those extra 25 years or so, it just kind of messed me up. Um, so we're going to talk about Don't Stop Believing. Okay. Um, and, you know, what I see time, time after time, not a journey song. Um, very good. Cindy Lauper. Um, is is that there's, I run into people so often that really don't have much of a belief in anything. Uh, it, it, this, the more the song sticks around, the longer it sticks around, the more it becomes real, and the more it becomes even more so, I'm going to move this so I can get some more space here, the more it seems like it's, like people fit the words a lot more and more and more, that we look and we look and we look and we see what's happening as we continue through the service. Just a, uh, a small town girl. That's not the name of the song. Um, living in a lonely world, she took the midnight train. Going where? Anywhere. Just a city boy. Yeah, but you know what? You know what's interesting about that? Everywhere, I heard everywhere Steve Perry went, he used the town that they were in to make that. And it fits everywhere. And he took, where did he take the midnight train to? Anywhere. Strangers, and they talk about they're, they're just up and down the boulevard, there's shadows, just, just searching for something in the night. And you know, I run into more and more people who exist in this kind of numb, walk through life kind of situation. That, and, and it seems like they're just having nothing to believe in. Again, not a journey song, that would have been Wayne. Um, something to believe in, poison. But you, you know what I mean? It just like, seems like there's a lot of people who are working hard to get their fill. Everybody wants a thrill, but they'll give anything to just roll the dice and hopefully win one time. But when they're losing most of the time, and they just are accepting things more and more. So we're going to talk about today about believing and what causes us to stop believing. And I'm going to share with you a couple of these things first. The first thing is our life situation, or what is known as the human condition. The human condition is something that philosophers and theologians and everybody, psychologists and everybody has tried to figure out over the years. And what is that? It is, our human condition is, does any of this make sense? How do I make sense out of this? I'm here for 78 to 80 plus years. What's it all about? What is the meaning of life? And we try to unpack this and deal with this, and that's our human condition. I'm here for what? If I'm here to go to, to, to kind of like, you know, just be a baby for a while, be a toddler, learn to walk, all that kind of stuff, learn, learn some manners, which inherently I don't want to do, to go and be in a school for 
12 to maybe 20-some years to learn to get a career, to work 30-plus years, to go ahead and retire, hopefully, to go ahead and watch my body break down, to go ahead so I can maybe leave something to my kids behind me, so that I can go ahead and have a, a nice box to die in and put me in the ground. That I, If that's it, that pretty well stinks. Am I right? So everybody's working hard to get their fill. We want to thrill for what? Is Murphy's Law true? That he or she who dies with the most toys wins? No, he or she who dies with the most toys does what? Dies. That's what happens. That's what happens time and time again. So when we look at life from this area, we end up recognizing the human condition kind of messed with us. Just a small town girl living in a lonely world. Just a city boy born and raised in South Detroit. I could say just a a middle-aged guy Born and raised in Northeast Maryland. He takes the midnight train every day. Takes the, uh, let's call it, the morning Jeep to anywhere. He's got to get out of the house. Got to feel like he's doing something. All right? You can fill in your situation with any of these, and you're passing people along, along the way. Tom Petty did it in Free Fallen, and all the vampires walking through the valley. They're just walking west down Ventura Boulevard. Have no clue what they're doing. But they're wasting that time. You know, when we look at this scripture, um, I, why did I say our situation? Because when we look at this verse from scripture, from Mark chapter 5, and it's in some of the other gospels, from Mark chapter 5, we have two people that we're dealing with, main people. We have this woman who is dealing with an issue of bleeding. But before that happens, we have this synagogue ruler. His name's Jairus, and he was a very, very, very important person. He was a guy who was wealthy. He was a guy who had influence. So Jesus comes in. His daughter's sick. She's dying, and he goes to him and says, Hey, I need my, da- I need my daughter made well. Come help me. As they're on their way, there's this woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. You know what something's really interesting? The girl was 12 years old. The woman had the issue of blood for 12 years. No mistake. No mistake in that. So here you have this this guy, Jairus, who's this wealthy synagogue ruler. And you have Jairus who is important. He's wealthy. And for the last 12 years, he's had the joy of his life. Anybody have a little girl? Dads, you have a girl? They can, none of mine are in here, are they? they? They can like get away with a little bit more stuff, right? They know how to press on daddy's heartstrings a little bit more. Um, you know, and, and so when you see this, here is his 12-year-old daughter. I've got one who's going to be that way this year, 12 years old. And I started putting this in reality right now. I've got one who's a year older, or almost two years older than that now. It's the joy of his life. It's his little girl. She's special to him, and she's dying. So for the last 12 years, he's had nothing but joy, and now it's entering into this point where it's a crossroads of life, and there's a sorrow. But there's this other woman that 12 years ago, it started her issue. This woman is a nobody, because by the the Jewish law, the Levitical law, she would have been excommunicated and considered unclean. That when she walked into a crowd, if she came over here to sit down, she'd have to say, unclean, and everybody would just move. She'd have to yell everywhere she went, unclean, unclean. It would have meant that her husband could have divorced her and would divorce her, because he didn't want to be kicked out of everything as well. She lost her family. She lost any friends. It's even to the point that it says if she sits on anything, if she lays down anywhere, if she walks in anywhere, that is considered unclean and needs to be destroyed. How'd you like to live with that for 12 years? You think she's wandered around aimlessly and here she finds herself in a crowd 
a people. She's a nobody. Where Jairus is important, where he's wealthy, we're told she spent all her her money trying to get healed from doctors. You know, the only gospel that doesn't talk about her spending all her money on doctors was Luke. You know why? Luke was a doctor. (laughs) Got to love the human side of that in the scripture. For the last 12 years of her life, it was a living hell. For the last 12 years of Jairus' life, it was a joyous time. And guess what happens? Here they come crashing in this point where life is falling apart for both of them. That's our first thing, the human condition. That's their situation. The next thing is loneliness and loss. Here we have this woman who has been separated from everybody else. Now, I know even the biggest hermit likes to have some connection with somebody, with some way. We want a connection, unless there's some things that are really going on. And here's this woman. She desired to be in the midst of people. Here she is where she shouldn't have been. There's this crowd where Jesus, she comes there. She shouldn't have been there. She could have been killed. Rocks could have been thrown at her, stoned. i got to say that properly now, because other people, stoned has another connotation now. You know what I mean? So they, they, they would throw rocks at her to kill her. This is what she deals with. And yet, Jairus has has gone on. He's dealing with loss. We see from the woman, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet her condition grew worse. And here she is. She's isolated for 12 years. And Jairus, while he's there, finds out that his daughter dies, all because Jesus stopped to talk to this woman. And we'll look at that in a little bit more. So these are two ways the challenge, that challenge our believing. It is, first, our human condition, our situation, and our loneliness and loss. The next thing is our, our interruptions or our obstacles that occur in our life. Have you ever been heading somewhere that you feel like it's in a positive direction? You're going somewhere, life seems good, and then this brick wall comes out of nowhere? And the first thing we start to do is we try to plow through it. And when we try to plow through it, we don't get anywhere. And the next thing we do, we try to retreat back to where we were, and then we find out there may be a brick wall here. And we feel trapped. Have you ever felt trapped in your life? Here's two people who are in that situation. They have an obstacle in the way. Jairus went to Jesus and says, hey, my daughter's sick. She is dying. I need you now. And he says, come on, let's go. Now, I don't know about you, but if you had the cure for your child or somebody you love very deeply and you put all your trust in that, and you're on the way, and somebody reaches out in the middle of the crowd, and he, Jesus says, whoa, 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 somebody touch me. And the disciples go, yeah, everybody's touching you here. Look, look, there's billions of people around here. And he says, no, no, I felt power go from me. And then all of a sudden, this woman, Jesus is spending time with this woman and talking to her. I'd be a little bit ticked off, wouldn't you? I'd be, come on, Jesus, I don't care. Remember, she's a nobody. I am something. And I'm helpless to do anything. So here's, you're, can you imagine you're just standing there like, come on, have you ever been, met, ran into somebody and you've got a billion things going on and you have to get somewhere and that's when you run into those people? Yes. Yeah, you got, I don't know that's explained that. You guys know. You're like, you're walking in, you go, hey, and you nicely say, how are you doing? And you really don't care. <laughs> you say, how are you doing? And they go, well, you know, it's been, it's been one of those weeks. And you're like, uh-oh. I'm here for a while. And then you start doing this. You'll be talking to them like this, and you go, oh, okay. Uh-huh. And they keep getting closer. And you keep going, okay, um, all right, uh-huh. Yeah, um, and you, you don't even have a watch, but you're looking at your wrist, you know, like giving the universal hand. And I'm sure Jairus was doing everything but picking Jesus up and carrying him and saying, come on. As they're standing there, all of a sudden, this is what he hears. They're standing there, and it says, while Jesus is still speaking, 
Some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Wow. You've got hope now. You've got hope for the biggest joy in your life. And you're like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then because of this woman who shouldn't have been here anyway, because she has an unclean, she should have been yelling unclean, she should have been out of the way, but she had to take something, and now I'm losing the most important thing in my life. Now, it may not have been a person in your life, but I guarantee you, you've been there before, where something that you thought was the most important thing in your life was right there. And you're holding on to it, holding on to it, and you feel it slipping away, and you say, God, come on, and you feel like the Lord's doing something, but then you get a message like this. Hey, it's gone. You're like, ah, what, what, what's going on here? Loneliness, loss, interruptions and obstacles will lead to this last reason why we have, why we, why we stop believing and I believe it's disappointment and discouragement. Have you ever been really, really discouraged or disappointed? Have you ever put, you know, I'm, I'm going to say this. Have you ever really put your hope in God for uh, the miraculous? Have you ever really said, God, you know what? I, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm throwing everything on you. And when it comes back, it doesn't come back the way you want it. Anybody there? Am I the, only a couple of us? All right. And guess what happens? You get disappointed. You get angry. You get ticked off at God because of your disappointment and your discouragement. And you know, anybody ever been mad at God? Come on, you're not going to get struck by lightning. We removed all the lightning. Anybody? There you go, Joe. There you go. I have been so mad at God before. Did a preacher say that? You're darn right I did. You know what? Pick up the book of Psalms. Look at David. He's ticked off at God. He's mad. He's furious. Look at Jonah. Jonah's awesome. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh. You, you're talking about not wanting to go somewhere? He says, there's a storm. Throw me in the water so I can die so I don't have to go to those people. Because he didn't like them, and he knew that God was going to save them. He gets mad at the end of Jonah. Why? Because God saved him. He said, I'm mad. I'm furious because you saved those people. I don't like them. I wish I were dead. And yet he saved the whole city. It was like going to New York City and everybody in New York City then becoming Christians. And he's mad about it because he didn't like them. I don't want them sitting next to me in heaven. Yuck. You should just let me die in the, in the water. He's mad. He's furious. The scripture's full of that. And you know what God does? He lets us be and he laughs about it. And he says, are you done throwing your temper tantrum? Now, don't stop believing Trust in me. Trust me. All right? So with those areas, those areas are the things that cause us to stop believing in life. So what I want to do is take us on a journey to believing. All right? Here we go. A journey to believing. How do we begin to really believe that when, when we have these other situations in life, when our human condition, our situation tells us that things aren't going well, when we have a loneliness and a loss, when we have interruptions and obstacles that hit us right and left, when we have disappointment and discouragement that are so weighty, we can't even see God. Well, here's the first thing. What we learn from the scripture is we have to come to Jesus with open arms. Amen. What do I mean? We need to commit. We need to commit to Jesus. 
We need to be committed to this journey. We need to be committed to starting on this journey. When I look at this, this, um, this woman should not have done anything to be in that area. But here she is with this issue of bleeding. Now keep in mind, when it says, some of the translations say that she had to touch the hem of his garment, which would have been the bottom. So how do you touch the bottom of somebody's garment? You have to get down. You have to get down. There's people all around. It's a dirty climate. But she didn't mind because she was considered the lowest of the low anyway. So you know what she does? She gets down. All these people, and she's crawling through, probably getting stepped on. Probably getting stepped on. And she says, look at, look at what she says. She says, if I just can touch his clothes, I'll be healed. She was committed and knew exactly what needed to happen. It, and, and what happened is, she knew if she got caught, she would have been killed. But she was already dead inside. And you know what? There are so many people walking around the face of this earth that are living and breathing physically, but inside are completely dead. Because they give up, but instead of giving up where they are, they accept the situation they are rather than accepting who they are in Christ. And knowing and saying, all right, here you go. You know, when you come with open arms, what's that? When I come with open arms, I'm wide open. I have all my defenses down. I give up. Notice that this for hugs and love is just a little bit lower than I give up. Did you realize that? So honestly, when you're hugging somebody, you're saying, I give up to you. And then you play open arms, and you can, you can kiss and make out, and it's good, okay? Right? So here's our situation, and here's what she's doing. And look at what the scripture says that I have printed in your bulletin from Luke 5, 33. The woman, knowing what had happened to her, this is after she's healed, came and fell at Jesus' feet. Jesus is like, who in the world touched me? I felt power come from me. The disciples are are you crazy? They're like pushing him away. It, you know, they're just, they're just shoving him away. It's like, you know, it would be like Michael Jackson in the 80s when in like the thriller days, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, they're pushing people away from him. And Jesus is like, I felt, I felt power. And they're like, what are you talking about? We're shoving people away. Everybody's touching you. And then this woman, no, she was so committed to what had happened. But you know what? Here's the cool thing. Because of her commitment, she was no longer unclean. She was restored. Because she was committed to it. And when we commit to coming to Jesus with open arms, then, you guys missed that one. Um, when we come to Jesus committed with open arms, then guess what? We are made clean and whole. Now, it says, she told him the whole truth. I think many people, when we come to Jesus, we come with half truth. We come to Jesus and say, we, we kind of think that the Lord doesn't really know what a mess we are. I mean, look at the person next to you and tell them you're a mess. All right. Okay. And you can look right back at them and tell them you're a mess. You can all look at me and say, you're a mess. You know what? Because in each of us, there is a mess that, that Jesus came to love. You're a mess that Jesus loves. And you know what? He wants all of you. He, he, you know, people have told me several times in life that God loves me so much to accept me as, to, to take me as I am, but he loves me too much to leave me that way. And my, my uh, uncle used to have a shirt that said, be patient, the Lord's still working on me. We're all a work in progress here. And, and, you know, Jesus did not have to heal that woman. He didn't have to, but he did. 
He, matter of fact, called her daughter, bringing her back into the fold, telling everybody, she's clean, she's mine. And that's what Jesus wants to do to you. Tell him your mess. He already knows. He knows. I, you know, I mean, he just wants to love, love on you and clean you up. But then we have Jairus too. Look at what it says, uh, you know, with Jairus. Here he comes, and, and he has a situation. He had to open up to Jesus. Here is a synagogue ruler, probably the top guy in that area, and he's going to a Galilean carpenter and saying, I got nothing else. He had to open up and lay it all on the line. Look at what Psalm 37 says. Open up before God. Keep nothing back, and he'll do whatever needs to be done. Isn't that awesome? Let me, let, me, let me look at that. Open up to God. Keep nothing back. That means the good, the bad, and the ugly. He'll do whatever he needs to be done. He'll validate your life in the clear light of the day and a stamp of approval with you at high noon. That woman received that, that moment, that, that, that psalm. Her life, which was secretive and ostracized, here he goes. He says, hey, here she is. So that's the first thing. Commit. Next thing we need to do, we need to respond faithfully. Amen. All right, there we go. What do I mean by that? Sometimes in our lives, we just need to get desperate. We just need a dose of desperate faith. I think more than ever, because we have so much at our disposal, we have so much we can draw anytime, we can get hold of any information, we can do anything. We live in a time where we want stuff like this, and we get stuff like this that we think that the answer to any of our problems can be like this. But sometimes, God needs us to just get really, really, really desperate. Really, really desperate. Look at this woman. She crawled through the dirt. Here she's dealing with the stuff. And what happens? He says to her, daughter, you are what? Your faith has what? Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. It was her faithfulness. There was nothing magic. Jesus wasn't carrying around little magic Holy Spirit dust at the bottom of his, his garment that if you just got over and everybody touched it. It was that she knew and she believed without a shadow of a doubt. If I crawl through this dirt, if I commit myself to going ahead and getting down here, and if I just touch him, if I just reach out and touch him, just a little bit of Jesus, then I'm going to be healed. And that's exactly what happened. She had a desperate faith, a desperate faith. So Jesus also called Jairus to do the same thing. In verse 23, we see that he says here, when they, they claim and said, leave the teacher alone, don't bother him anymore, your daughter's dead. Jesus, I, I love how it's phrased here. Jesus immediately turns to him and says, don't be afraid, just believe. You know what Jesus says there? No, 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 don't stop believing. Don't, 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 don't stop believing. No, 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 not now. Not now, because, because I am the resurrection of life. Okay, this is all about me. This is what I can do. She's just asleep. I, don't worry. My time, she's going to be fine. Do you hate God's time as much as I do? I mean, because sometimes God's time just stinks because it's not on my time. Because I like God to be on my schedule. I like God to act when I want God to act. But you know what I found out? God says, no, 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 no. You're going to learn a lot more, Jack, if you just shut up and don't stop believing. Just, just shut your mouth. Just shut your mouth and don't stop believing. Because I am. 
the resurrection of life. I am the resurrection of life. I'm going to take care of it. Just, just wait. I'm taking care of her right now because I love her. She's my daughter too. And you know what's interesting? Jesus calls the woman who had this problem that was separated him because she was separated from the synagogue and church worship. They were separated. She was outside of that. And he, in a, in a sense, reinstated her and said, this is my girl. I know you're concerned about your daughter, but this is my daughter. So that's why I'm staying right here dealing with her. So daughter, welcome back. Now he says, let's go deal with yours. Isn't that cool? I just find that awesome because some of you fit into this pattern where you're just holding on and you're, you're dying. You're wasting away. Others are like this woman that, that you've been separated and you just feel this distance from God and you're just reaching out for something. And he says, I'm going to take care of it. You know, there's been a lot in the news about Noah lately, that, that big blockbuster movie with Russell Crowe. Um, and I, I looked at this verse, and this is the verse that, from Hebrews that um, we were going to uh, talk about today. Um, but look at what it says there, put it in your bulletin, or up on the screen. By faith Noah built a ship in the middle of a dry land. Think about this. He built a boat in the middle of a desert. And he was ridiculed for hundreds of years about it. Would that make you want to quit? You're, draw, you're, you're making a boat and don't even know what a boat is. People, some people said, at, some theologians believe that it never rained to that point. They didn't have a clue what it was. And he's saying, it's going to rain. It's going to be flooded. And they're like, yeah, in the middle of the desert? Yeah, right. It'd be like building a boat in the middle of Arizona. You know? far away from any kind, of, any kind of water, from the Sahara Desert. And he did this, and look what it says. It says, by faith Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he could not see and acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. His act drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the righteousness of the believing world. You know what that's, that's about? Noah was the only one who didn't stop believing. Everybody else, it says, was a perverse, could care less about God's generation. And you know what? Every single one of that unbelieving generation was knocking on the boat door to get in when the flood started. God may be telling you to do something right now, maybe trying to connect you someplace and say, hey, let's go, let's go ahead and do this. And you're saying, God, it makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. I'm in the middle of a desert here. Why build a boat? But God may be using that faithfulness to go ahead and do something awesome. All right? So we have, we have um, these first two, come to Jesus with open arms. We have respond faithfully. And here we go. Tell God, after we've done this too, tell God it's any way you want it. Amen. Good. That's a good one. You guys are good. I'll give that to you. Any way you want it. What am I talking about? I'm talking about trusting God with contentment. Not complacency, trusting God with contentment. Look at this verse from the scripture. It says, show me how you work, God. School me in your ways. Take me by the hand and lead me down the path of truth. Lead me down the path of truth. You know, I think this is one of the hardest things to deal with in life. I, you know, I never get used to how life just changes. You know, I mean, think about it. Life just changes and changes and changes. But as I started this sermon talking about, I run into a lot of people who are just desperate living or numb. But one of the other things is, you know, I see a lot of Christians who are good ostriches. You know what I mean by that? What do they do? 
bury their head in the sand. And, you know, there's several scriptures. I'm not going to get into that today. But there's some that, that just really talk us about, you know, when, when the world, and I'll, uh, you can look at this later. It's Luke 21, uh, 26. But there, it says that when people are fainting in fear, you as believers, lift up your head and look because your salvation is drawing near. And, you know, this week something really cool happened. Uh, 24 came back on. Anybody watch that show with Jack Bauer? Anybody ever seen 24? Who's seen 24? I had never seen 24 when it was first on TV. I saw like the last two seasons and it drove me crazy because somebody had given me like the disc to watch at first. And you know what happens when you do that? You start to watch a show and then it goes, bink, bink, bink. And then it goes and you're like, well, maybe one more. Bink, bink. And you're like, well, maybe one more. And before you know it, it's like three o'clock in the morning. You watch like five or six of them, and you're like, I need to go to sleep. I need to go to sleep, but I got to find out what happens to Jack Bauer. And, and you're watching this. And I remember when I was watching season, three, uh, season two, I believe it was. And season two, it was really kind of cool. Anybody, anybody 24 fans? Let me see. This was the one where the Secretary of State, his daughter was taken and no, by terrorists, and nobody knew where to find them. Anybody with me here? Are you awake? Anybody awake? Okay. And, and so, um, I know it doesn't have anything to do with the 80s, but it was really cool. Uh, so, um, well, actually, it's, it's uh, Kiefer Sutherland, so, which is kind of an 80s thing. Um, but here we go. Here, here he is, and he's going, and nobody knows. And then all of a sudden, he calls, and he's like, in, his be- in, my, in my best Kiefer voice, I found her. I know where I are. Get here. Get here now. And they're like, we'll be there in five minutes. We don't have five minutes. And he's like, I got to go in. I got to go in. I'm like, I'm sitting there like, oh, Jack. And there's like 100 people. Don't go in, Jack. You'll get killed. And, and I'm freaking out. I'm watching this, and I'm just nervous, and it's about four o'clock in the morning because I watch the next one and I'm watching, watching, watching and then all of a sudden he goes in and he knifes people and he stabs them and he shoots them and all this stuff's going on. I'm like, oh, and I'm like, look out, Jack, oh, you know, and then it, then it dawned on me. There's a season three and four. <laughs> Jack made it. And there's a five and a six and now there's a nine and I'm like, why am I getting so torn up and it kind of ruined it for me a little bit until I really ingrained myself in it again but I'm like he's going to make it and they're going to be surviving because I saw her on the previews on television I know this works out and in some ways this is how we need to approach life as Christians because we get so riled up and so worried about what's going on but guess what this ain't it I know what happens. I know the end of the book. I know because of my faith in Jesus Christ, because I accepted him as Lord and Savior, that no matter what this battle does, there's season three, four, and five. And I get a season for a millennium with Christ. Why get so worried about that? Why do I stop believing in the one who believes in me and trusts me? I know how it ends. Yeah, there's pain and difficulty in these circumstances. But guess what? There's so much change, but I know who holds the future. You know, I got into ministry kicking and screaming because I grew up as a PK, and I tried everything in much of the 80s and several of the 90s to try to get God to find somebody else. And I can tell you, one of the things that kept me there as part of that passion is I always had a passion for those who didn't know Jesus. I always want people to know Christ. And the more I got into ministry, I I realized that I, I began to at sometimes focus 
stop the focus there and focus more on people in the church. Not that that's a bad thing. But because I wanted to be liked. Anybody like to be liked? I wanted to be appreciated. And being a young guy, because you know the, the um, most pastors on television have no hair and talking these and thous, and I'm still holding on up top here, and I don't talk in these and thous. Um, and that's okay if they do, but that's a stereotype. And, and, and the stereotype is that they have no relation to people. And I, I've often loved when people say, oh, you're, you're a minister? You don't act like one. I think, thank you. <laughs> and when they say you don't look like one, I say, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's been a struggle because at times I see the people that are God's people in churches stop believing. I see people who are supposed to be the vibrant church, the church of, of the Lord that, that are going to go out and share his message, the one that he said, hey, the keys are in your kingdom. This is what you're going to do. I saw people just start to doubt who Christ is. And I realized that that started to disconnect me at times as well. And I started to doubt who I am and what God's called me to do. And I still struggle with that at times. Because there's times I don't believe in myself. And I don't believe, and sometimes I'm like, God, where are you in this? And you feel like you're alone. I feel like that woman who's been ostracized for 12 years. Anybody else there? Or then you have people that are special in your life, and, they, and for some reason or another, that, that disconnects, and you have this intense amount of loss. And you're like, what is this about, God? I thought you were going to do this. And you start to have disappointment. Lord, I didn't have this on a, on a sheet, but I looked it up online. The Lord just led me uh, in the middle of the night, um, which I told him it's better to do um, while I'm still awake, um, in Revelation chapter 3. And in Revelation chapter 3, you have Jesus who is writing letters to different churches. Now think about that. If Jesus penned and wrote down a letter to this church, Haven Community Church, would you really want to know what it says? Would you? Because when he writes it, he says, I know this, but let me tell you what your problem is. Every one of the churches. And it's not nice at times. He's like, hey, here's, here's what everybody thinks you are, but I'm going to tell you what I know you are. I don't know what I, I if Jesus sends me a text message like that today, because that's how you do it now, um, sends me a text message or a Facebook post, I'd kind of be like, uh, it says, boom, Jesus has sent you a message. I'd be like, uh, don't think, you know, pray, open my Bible, act like I was reading, not watching sports on TV or something like that. And, and here's what he writes. He writes to the church at Sardis, and it says, he starts in this in the first verse, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Whoa. Still wanting that text message? He says, and this is the verse that God's really been ministering to me lately. It says, wake up. Strengthen what remains and is it about to die. Wow. Now, I got I to gotta ask an honest question, and you, you don't have to raise your hand. But how many of you have something in your life that you're holding on to? You're like the people in this song. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't stop believing. You're just holding on. And the Lord's telling you, Hold on to it and strengthen what remains because it's dying. What part of your connection with the Lord are you losing? What area of that is? 
You know, there are areas that I recognize in my life that are growing, but there are other areas in my life that have been slipping and dying. And I hear the Lord telling me, Jack, strengthen what remains and is about to die. You know, I need to have an unwavering faith. And I remember when I was young and stupid, I had it. You remember when you're young and stupid and don't have any responsibility? That faith seems to come a lot easier. But for some reason along the way, I started to think that, and I hope you guys relate to this, and it's not just me, I used to think that I'm responsible for what I have. I started to think that I'm responsible for everybody God puts in my path. And guess what? They ain't my people. They're his. So, so if I trust him, like that woman, she didn't have a care. But then doubt starts creeping in at times. I have fear because I want to be liked. I have fear about criticism. And Jesus tells me, Jack, don't let it die. Strengthen what remains. One other quick thing. He goes to the church of Laodicea. And in verse 15, he talks to them. He said, I know your deeds. You are neither hot or cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Ooh. Now, you know, a lot of people talk, call that the lukewarm Christian. I don't think that Christians can be lukewarm when I read this. You know, I've never had anybody say, I love you so much, I'm just going to spit at you. You know? Come here, I love you. You know? Doesn't work that way. Jesus is saying, man, you, you disgust me because you know. You know, Jack, you know, but yet you're making me mad and you're disgusting. I'm just going to spit you out. And you know, the Laodicea, they had lots of wealth and they did lots of things, but their water was bitter and nasty. And so they related. He was relating them to their, to their bad water system. You know, when I started thinking about believing, I want to show you, I got a plate up here and I got a BB gun. Now, if I stood over here, calm down, it's a BB gun. All right? How many of you, raise your hand, believe I could hit that, be, that, that plate from here? Okay, go ahead, go ahead and stand up. Go ahead and stand up. All right? Now, how many if I went all the way over here? How many think I could still hit it? Stay standing. All right? How many of you would want to come up and hold the plate while I do it? You would? Man, you guys are putting a lot of faith in me. You've never seen me shoot. All right. Now, let me ask you. I ask a question. How many of you guys can sit down? I ask you a question because I'm not going to try it because I don't want to get sued. Um, so, but let me, let me ask you. Who believed I could do it? The people who stood up first or the ones who stayed standing? If I brought you up and said, take that plate. I wonder how many of those people have said, okay, come on. They say, no, 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 I was just joking. I, I just wanted to stand. I didn't want you to not like me. How many of you would actually hold that plate? Well, I stood all the way over here around Wayne's, uh, around Wayne's computer. <laughs> Wayne, you want to you try? No. How many of you really, really do that? You see, because the ones who believe are the ones who are going to hold the plate. You're the ones who believe in me, not the other ones. And the other ones, you're just smart. You know how I shoot. So, but, but what I'm saying is, this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you can say you believe in me. You can say you, you trust me. But are you willing to hold your life up for it? Are you willing to put your life like this plate and say, here it is. Wait, say, God, God, here it is. Here it is. Here's my life. 
Here's my life. Take it. The last thing that's up here is hold on, hold on, hold on. You know what that is? Don't stop believing. Don't stop believing. In Hebrews 7 through 15, I want you to look in your bulletin as we finish this out. You can see right under the, on the first page. It says, by faith, Noah warned of the things, and we talked about him. By faith, Abraham, when called to a place he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. And look at this verse from verse 13 that's printed in your bulletin. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. Time out. Does that make you mad? God said, hey, you know what? Go, this is the land you're going to have. You're going to have all these children. You're going to be the father of many. Go ahead, do this, do this, do this. And he says, they all died, and there's a whole list, more than this. And he said, they died, and they did not. When they say did not, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. You see what they realized? This isn't where they belong. They're passing through. But if they are going to live faithfully, and if they're going to go ahead and serve the Lord with open arms, Amen. if they're going to tell him, any way you want it, God, Amen. then I'm just, what I have, I'm just going to hold on to, and I'm going to not stop believing, because my faith is in you, Lord, and that is the only thing I have that is sure in this world. And when I have that, all the things fail in comparison. You know what they understood? There's something better coming. I'm not minimizing that you're strangers up and waiting up and down the boulevard. The shadows, that darkness that's in your life is there. There's streetlight people just walking around looking for just to find emotion, connecting to anything they can in this life. Some of them may be doing it for 12 years or even longer. Some of you have been doing it for 12 years or longer. You've been disconnected from God for 12 years. Some of you have felt a loss and a death that eminent and you're feeling disconnected. Others for even longer. Here's what I'm going to tell you today. Today's the day I want you to get in the dirt. Today is the day that Christ wants you to crawl on your hands and knees. Get yourself scraped up and stepped on by people. Be where you're not supposed to be. Don't yell unclean anymore, but see yourself as his son or daughter. And reach out and just hold on. Reach out and just hold on. And hold on and hold on. Overcome those obstacles and be, don't be afraid. And whatever ever happens, whatever's coming at you, don't ever stop believing. Amen? Amen. All right, praise team, come on up. At this time, I'm going to ask that, we, uh, that you stand. We're going to go ahead and go to a time of prayer. And um, we're going to start, we're going to um, just enjoy praying, and then we're going to send you out with uh, a, a following song after, after this. Um, I'm going to just say, I, I'm, um, I'm going to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to give a, a general prayer for everybody um, in this as well. And then I'm going to be over there specifically if you want to pray at the altar over here. Okay, so, so bow your heads. Lord, we, we just come here today, and, and I know that in everybody here, there's an area of our life where we feel we're just holding on. There's an area that we need to strengthen. What remains, or else it too will be gone. There's a person in our life that we feel we're losing. 
And God, we want to get them to you and we want to get you to them, but there's obstacles in the way. There's somebody who's here today, God, who's been told that they are everything but a daughter or a son, that they're dirty, they're unclean, their life stinks, that they should just go away and leave them alone. There's people here on this Mother's Day who it's a mix for them because maybe their mother just wasn't that loving, picturesque mother. And they struggle to find out where that fits in this whole day. But God, you say, come to me. Come, and, come to me and trust in me. Yeah, I've seen you crawling through the dirt. I've seen you just struggling. I've seen you getting stepped on in life, but just reach out and hold on. And Lord, there's others who just received the worst news of their lives and they don't know what to trust in and they, they put their faith in you and, and now they're at the point where they give up. Have them hold on. Have them hold on to you. Don't give up that feeling of knowing Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so right now, I'm going to lift up in this place. If you've never committed your life to Jesus, if you've never just come to him with open arms and said, take me, this mess that I am. And just say, Jesus, I need a Savior. I don't understand what that means, but I just need somebody to straighten out this mess. I've tried. I've lived up and down the boulevard. I've tried connections that are useless, and, and I need something more permanent. Let them just open their arms to you, Lord. And say, Jesus, I will need that Savior. You're it. And I don't understand it all, but I just want to roll my dice this time on you so I can win, and I won't lose on this one. There's other people who have been connected and they just are feeling disconnected because of situations in their life. And, and they're saying, I need you to come. Come on, come on. Get, God, I need you on my timing. Come on, Jesus. God, I just pray that you'll just have them stop being afraid and just believe. And even if we're like Abraham and, and Noah and all the others, that we don't see the promises you have, let us realize that just like Jack Bauer, there's a season three, four, five and when we're there, Lord, we aren't going to care about what happened in season one of this life. So God, in the stillness of this room right now, if somebody prayed that prayer to accept you as their Lord and Savior, just kind of raise your hand where you are and just say, thank you, Jesus, for who you are. And let them tell somebody this week so that all heaven can rejoice. If there's somebody who's struggling and just needs some direction in their life, God, just lead them. Today, I'll be available at the altar. And most of all, we thank you that this journey called life doesn't end, but it connects to a great place to escape with Jesus Christ. And we give you praise in Christ's name. Amen.
It's easy to stop believing, right? But we can't stop believing because His love never fails, ever. No matter how much we fail, He never fails us. One, two, three, four.
fake rupees. Yay! Yeah, all, right. <laughs> all right, everybody, come back next week for week three of the 80s, and I'll give you a hint. Here it goes. This is next week. Bring me a higher level. <laughs> all right. All right, Jack, picture. <laughs>